Hello, welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex with BTN, and we are back with another basketball-focused episode of the Take 10 Podcast after pivoting a couple weeks in a row. Uh, got some cross, got some wrestling talk on the show. We're back since it is the heat of basketball season with a basketball-focused pod. And we got a guest who was on about a year and a half ago to rejoin the show. It's Dakota Mathias, and that's a memorable name if you've watched Big Time Basketball in the last four or five years or so, uh, especially if you're a Purdue fan, needs no, no reintroduction. And Dakota, uh, you might not be surprised to to hear, has actually been tearing it up in the NBA G League and is patiently waiting on a call-up to, uh, to the big show. And he was just recently named to the uh, All-G League team as a member of the Texas Legends. So cool to catch up with a, a guy who you know is uh, plugging away at the next level and uh, honestly if he were on a different or within a different organization would likely be in the league already um, if not for some of the <clears throat> people above him at his position on the Dallas Mavericks um, but we'll get into that in just a, a little bit here as we talk to Dakota and catch up with what he's been up to his path to the G League and how he's transformed or at least elevated his game as he's uh, you know continued his career post Purdue, so we'll get to uh, Dakota in a few moments here. Just want to lay out the rest of the show beyond Dakota's interview. We brought in Harold Shelton for his weekly Stathead segment. Uh, Harold is our BTN researcher, and if you have not heard the show before, try and get him in every week during football and basketball season to go in depth on what is going on in this case in Big Ten basketball and provide some context, some metrics to uh, explain what we're seeing. So talk a lot of basketball. Harold does talk a little bit of Big Ten football since he is a Michigan State grad. Gives his take on D'Antonio, Mark D'Antonio's retirement from last week and Mel Tucker's hiring this week as it's the first time Harold and I have talked since all this transition came about in East Lansing. And uh, obviously it's uh, good to get his inside perspective on the developments with Michigan State football. So Toss it over to Harold after one and only Midwestern Cowboy, Dakota Mathias of the Texas Legends. Get into that interview with Dakota. It starts right now. Very pleased to be joined, actually rejoined, uh, by Dakota Mathias. He's back on the show for the second time. Formerly of the Purdue Boilermakers, currently of the Texas Legends in the NBA G League. Dakota, how's it going, man? Not too bad, man. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for taking some time. And, uh, you know, with the NBA All-Star break going on right now, down the street in Chicago, things are getting underway here soon. That also means a break for you for uh, the NBA G League and uh, your Dallas Mavericks affiliate. So just first off, what do you do, you know, kind of during your break and kind of how hectic has the schedule been until this little uh, little lapse in in your in your life? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's good to have a little break right now. Uh, we were actually very fortunate. We've we've been off since uh, Monday night, um, so I, I was lucky enough to be able to come home, um, see my parents. I've been driving back and forth, uh, see, seeing some friends, and uh, I'm going down to see my wife's family tomorrow. So uh, pretty busy, but just trying to see everybody that you don't get to see during the uh, course of the season. You're back in uh, Lafayette, right? Kind of where it all started with Purdue. Any memories flowing back right now? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I was actually fortunate enough to get back in time to go to their game um, the other day. 
unfortunately they lost to Penn State, but it was good to be back in Mackey Arena and uh, kind of see, see some of the old players and coaches. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to talk uh, some more Purdue in just a second once we're done catching up and kind of where you've been and what you've been up to because uh, Purdue's definitely been conversation-worthy, for better or worse, this year. But, um, you know, you're on your all-star break right now. Are, are, do you get any time to – uh, just kind of kick it, or do you have so many people to see? You know, you mentioned going to see some family. Are you uh, getting any time to just lay back and chill? Um, I haven't had too much yet. I've actually been, you know, running back and forth, seeing some friends, and like I said, some family. But um, definitely this weekend, um, I'll be able to take some time to relax and unwind a little bit. All right, well, don't let yourself cool off too much because I'm looking at your stats and um, just kind of keeping up with what you've been up to. For the Legends, you were named to the midseason All-NBA G League team, averaging about 18 points a game, five boards a game, three assists. Seems like you're in a rhythm, man. How's uh, how's that league kind of treating you, and how have you adjusted to that level of play? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in a good situation. Um, you know, being in Frisco, um, Frisco itself is a you know, great city. Um, the Texas Legends organization is you know, one of the tops in the G League. It's just uh, um, overall it's just a great organization with great people um, that do things the right way, so... I'm very fortunate to be there, but you know, basketball-wise, um, like I said, I've been, been playing pretty well so far. Uh, we got a good group of guys, you know, good teammates, and like, a coaching staff really knows what they're doing, and I give them a lot of credit. So, you know, it's been a good start so far. Yeah, I'm sure at this point you're kind of waiting for that call up to the NBA. You know, it, every situation is different. Um, depends on the NBA team. You know, who's under contract, who's playing well, who's not. What kind of feedback have you gotten so far from the organization, and uh, just relating to a potential? jump to the next level if and when they might come yeah yeah you know like i said everybody's past kind of different um especially you know the mavericks situation is a little different this year um with their contract so um, it's just something you gotta you know wait and see but you know you can't press too much and worry about um you know what they're thinking or what other teams are thinking um, you just gotta go out and play and um that type, that type of stuff will take care of itself but you know there has been multiple teams um show interest but you know, like i said i, I talk it over with my agent a lot and you know just got to keep doing what we're doing and you know, everything will fall into place yeah, looking at some stat lines, you know, you've had some really big games. And aside from the 18 points you're putting up per game, you've gotten to the high 20s, the 30s, and you know, really tore it up. So, would you say your game has developed even more from what it was at Purdue? Because we know you could light it up there, uh, but you know, some of the stat lines you don't always see in college that you're putting up right now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think you know that's that's part of the good sign is being able to um, progress, you know, each year and you know add something different. So, like I said, I've been able to you know have a couple of games where I've you know rebounded really well. Um, you know, I had a number of assists, you know, assist to turnover ratio. You know, trying to get that you know around two to one. So, um, just little things like that and being solid on defense, you know, being able to you know get in the lane and you know make plays. Um, just you know having a, a good overall game and you know keep progressing. So your senior year was twenty eighteen. Um... You didn't start out right away in the G League or with the Legends. You, you played overseas for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I went overseas to um, Spain and played played a little bit there. I actually got hurt. Um, you know, I sprained my ankle pretty bad, so I had to come back here um, in the middle of the season. But, yeah. What was the biggest difference about that lifestyle, overseas ball, and just a uh, completely different you know type of, of, of hoops that you haven't experienced before? Yeah, yeah, it's you know it's a lot different. I was fortunate enough again, you know, to be in a very good league. Um, it's called the ACB. Um, there's a lot of big time teams and players in there, but yeah, it's 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 a very different style of play. Uh, there's a lot more you know sets. Um, it's a little more slowed down, and like I said, like the difference between college and NBA is you know the defensive three seconds. Um, but over there they don't have that, so the lanes you know still very packed, and it's you know it's a little harder to score. A lot of people don't understand that um, than it is over here in the NBA. So. 
Um, it's a little different, but, you know, I was very fortunate to go over there, and uh, it was a good experience. Was there ever any, like, a welcome to overseas life or welcome to overseas basketball moment that happened? doesn't have to be on the court, but just something that kind of shook you a little bit, and it's like, all right, you know, this, this is uh, a little bit different over here. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, the first basically two or three weeks, just um, this is a language barrier, and I, I knew a little bit of Spanish. Unfortunately, my wife knew a good amount, but um, just going into practice, trying to talk to guys and communicate, stuff like that, and even going, you know, to the mall or just to get some food is – um, it was a little, a little shocking, but um, you know, we adjusted, and like I said, the culture is a lot different, but um, it was a good experience for us, and we really liked it. So how did the uh, Mavs organization end up noticing you from you know a guy that came back after getting injured in Spain? How did you end up in uh, Frisco? Yeah, so I actually, um, once I rehabbed and stuff, it got completely healthy starting it was late May, uh, early June. I did a couple of mini camps with teams, um, and the Mavericks were one of them. Um, and I played, you know, I played really well. Um, shot it really well, so kind of caught their eye. And then um, after summer league ended, um, uh, you know, they called and they wanted me to come to training camp with them, and uh, went off from there. Did you have any interactions with Mark Cuban at all? A few, a few. Yeah, he always reminds me um, how he's an IU guy and how he doesn't like Purdue. So, <laughs> what's your response when he uh, needles you about that? Uh, he's a boss man, so I just kind of let him go. I don't say too much yet. <laughs> right, you can't necessarily clap back at him quite yet. You know, right, being right. Mark Cuban and all, no, you know, no big deal. Um, so being in the Mavs organization, I saw a familiar name on your roster, Josh Reeves from Penn State. Mm-hmm. You guys, uh, you know, talk at all about being fellow Big Ten guys, or is it just mostly a uh, business with with most of your teammates? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. At the beginning of the year, we had a, a few Big Ten guys. We had a couple guys from Nebraska. Um, you know, Nate Mason was on there for a while um, from Minnesota. So yeah, we always we always talk about the Big Ten and the rivalries, and um, they all hate, hated how much the playing in Mackey, how bad that was for them. So and we always joke about that type of stuff. How about like in the G League? What's the relationship dynamic like? Do you guys hang out? I, I know I assume that the the travel and everything is not as uh, glamorous as the NBA. So you guys might be in closer quarters. Uh, what, what's it like just with your teammates and and kind of getting around and, and navigating that lifestyle with them? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the, the travel schedule is pretty hectic, and um, you know, there's a lot of back-to-backs and uh, you know, late nights and early mornings. You know, on you know commercial flights, but you know that's good for like I said, team chemistry. And yeah, we're, we are pretty close, so um, that definitely helps us. And uh, it's been a fun experience so far. All right, so you mentioned getting back to Purdue for that Penn State game, and you know that was one of the the forgettable performances at at Mackey, but they've had some really good ones this year. You know, we're talking Virginia and, and Michigan State and some of the blowouts that we've seen at Mackey, Iowa most recently. Uh, and it's what struck me is just watching Purdue is how, you know, they kind of have followed the same blueprint, minus of Carson Edwards, obviously. But, you know, when you were there, you were the guy to come off screens, hit shots, make plays off the wing. And then it was Ryan Klein last year making a name for himself and now Sasha Stefanovic. So why do you think that has been able to so seamlessly uh, – that style of play has seamlessly continued – you know, without really missing much of a beat from you to Ryan to Sasha now? I think it's, you know, the type of guys that um, Coach Vayner recruits to. It's not even at, you know, the position of me, Ryan, Sasha. I think it goes, um, you know, for all the guys. I think they're, they're very selfless guys that know how to play and want to win um, and just bring a certain toughness. So I think, you know, the way he recruits and, like I said, they're not all uh, five-star guys like the Dukes or Kansases that are getting these guys. I mean, he gets a certain type of guy that's going to come in um, that is talented but is also um, going to work hard and fit fit this type of system that he wants. Yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, you know, uh, you know Proctor stepped up big and, and Boudreaux and guys like that have right. emerged as well. Uh, how often do you get to watch Purdue games just with your hectic schedule? Uh, uh, 
earlier in the year I did not get to watch them at all, but you know lately it's just been working out. Um, our games are on different days, so I've been able to fortunate the last you know three or four games. Um, you know they won the last three before this one, so I've been I was able to watch those, and um, you know, they're a fun team to watch. I think they're going to be exciting down the stretch here, and uh, hopefully we can make a run. Yeah, just being around basketball as much as you have, um, it's interesting because. I can't remember a team that has as much variance as Purdue has had, you know, from being able to beat anybody on any given night to not looking as great on other nights. So just, you know, being someone who understands the game like you, how do you explain uh, the swings that Purdue has seen so far, if you could? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's tough to explain, but at the same time, I think that's um, you know, very similar to college basketball itself this year. I mean, there's no real front runner. I mean, there's a lot of teams that were ranked, you know, in the top five or even top two, three that aren't ranked anymore. Um, so I think, you know, college basketball is wide open. And like you said, if Purdue's on one of those days that they've been on where they were playing Virginia or Michigan State or Iowa, you know, they could win a few games in the tournament and get, get going. So um, I think I think especially this year it's, it's wide open and you know, Purdue's kind of indicative of that too. Yeah, and you look at, you know, teams that were once in the top five, Virginia and Michigan State, I think Purdue has a little something to do with uh, knocking those teams pretty much completely out of the rankings no, no doubt, at this yeah. point. Uh, a few more questions, Dakota, before you go. Uh, anyone call you the Midwestern Cowboy still? I know our Rick Pizzo, I think, kind of came up with that back here. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people that still uh, like to shout that out. A couple guys at the game did that the other day, too, so it's, that, it's still around. Does that get your attention? Like, you know, if you hear that, it's like a little little blast from the past. I haven't heard that name in years type thing. No doubt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, so you, you touched on it a little bit, but name is Dakota from Ohio. You know, you're in Indiana right now. Now you're living in Texas. How are you fitting in down south? Oh, I would love it. Uh, the weather's great down there. Um, Frisco itself is, you know, very nice. Uh, we live right by it. It's called the Star Area, where the Cowboys uh, practice facility is. So there's a bunch of uh, restaurants and bars and things like that to do around there. So, um, you know, we love it. We love it. You get much downtime to, uh, to you know, to kind of explore? Or when you, when you do get that, are you kind of chilling and just watching Netflix and, and hanging out at home? Yeah, it's kind of chill. But, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to, you know, get down to Dallas a few times and, um no, really in the year we went to a few Cowboys games and uh, Rangers games. So, um, yeah, it's a lot to do down there. All right. Give me a roadmap for the second half of the season. If you could, uh, you know, ideally plan out how you want the rest of your uh, first full G League season to go, how would you uh, how would you map it out? Yeah, I mean, just right now, just keep doing what we're doing as a team. Um you know, we're we're uh, I think we're the fifth or sixth seed right now to get into the playoffs, um, so that's definitely one of our goals. But um, you know, I'm excited to you know get going here. We we only actually have 15 more games left, uh, so it's going to come by quick. So I'm just going to try to enjoy every moment of it and uh, the chips fall where they may. All right, last question. Our guy Robbie Hummel here at BTN, you know, former and uh, I guess forever Boilermaker. He's going to be competing for an Olympic spot here soon with three-on-three basketball. How does it sound, you know, Robbie Hummel, Olympian? That, that has a nice ring to it. Yeah, no, that's we're all pulling for him. You know, he's a great guy. We've we spoke a lot, especially recently, and uh, uh, that'd be that'd be that'd be huge for him. And like I said, we're all pulling for him, and you know, he, he could get it done. He's going to be a, a great ambassador for that team. I mean, keep your eyes open, Dakota. A three-on-three spot down the road if this thing takes off in the olympics that could be something to set your sights on you know if you uh, ever want to get those uh, olympic rings and a, a medal or two absolutely that'd be really fun <laughs> <laughs> all right man appreciate you taking some time uh enjoy your time off thanks for taking some of that time off to chat with me and uh like you said keep doing what you're doing best of luck going forward with the legends and hopefully get that call up soon i appreciate it man thank you yep
All right. Thanks once again to Dakota for joining the show. Really appreciate his time as always. Uh, I have a feeling we'll check back in with him like another year and a half and he'll uh, be on an NBA roster somewhere. He's got a, a game that sticks. He can shoot the ball. He can defend. He's uh, tall enough to play the wing in the NBA, and, and that's the kind of player that a lot of teams are looking for. And, uh, you know, tear up G League and get first team all league. Eventually, he'll end up on an NBA roster. That's just how it works. So, great catching up with him. Now, we will uh, toss it over to our in-house BTN researcher, Harold Shelton. He'll contextualize everything going on in Big Ten basketball. He'll offer his take on what's going on with Michigan State football and the hiring of Mel Tucker and the retirement of Mark Antonio as a Spartan himself. Uh, we get his inside take on that situation, and uh, we'll toss it over to him right now. Good 25-30 uh, minute discussion with Harold, and here is our BTN researcher. We'll let him have the floor. All right, back once again in the lab with Harold Shelton. H, it's a uh, rare occurrence. We got NBA All-Star Weekend in Chicago, and right on time, the weather went and freaked out on us, man. Of course. Uh, it was funny because, you know, we've had pretty good weather, 30s and 40s for, you know, the last couple of weeks or so, and then a bunch of my buddies come in town complaining about how cold it is, and, you know, some of them are still stuck wherever they are because they can't get a flight because of the snow. So, of course, when everyone's coming is when we get sub-zero temperatures and snow. I was going to say, you know, you've been around the block in the sports media circles. You got a lot of people coming in town or just friends. Or, uh, I know it's a pretty big weekend, all things considered. Uh, a bit of both. Uh, I'm actually going to get out of here uh, probably next couple of hours and go meet up with some people, uh, former ESPN guys. And so uh, that'll be a nice little research reunion there. And I'll try to link up with some Fox and some Turner guys and see if I can elbow my way into a party or two see what happens yeah i mean we'll uh check out your guys jaron jackson miles bridges tomorrow night at the united center in the rising stars game we got some big time representation duncan robinson which is still like the underappreciated most crazy story in, in basketball you know going d3 to the nba uh, all-star weekend competing in the three-point contest and uh mo wagner as well in the, in the rising stars game so we'll get over check them out tomorrow i'm excited uh to be a small small part of it but uh should be fun. You might have to send me those those party invites too, and see uh you know see what we can get into. Yeah, I see what I could do. You know, I'm, I'm kind of relying on my other guys because I'm out of that that world. <laughs> I'm out of that realm. So I'm hoping you know one of them say, "Hey, I got an extra. You want to roll?" Right. But if they got two, I'll let you know. Right. Exactly. And it'll be warm by Saturday night, Friday, Saturday night. You know, well the uh, the cold snap will have passed on. So. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens, and um, you know we'll get into some basketball discussion here in just a second, but we haven't chatted in a little while. We kind of repurposed our discussion last week from, from the week before, um, just with the schedules lining up weird. But uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on all the developments in the Michigan State Universe since we last talked. Obviously, Mark D'Antonio unexpectedly stepped away. And just yesterday, they announced the hiring of Mel Tucker at Michigan State. So, uh, you know, being someone close to that situation and just close to the ebbs and flows of that fan base, what are your overall thoughts on uh, the transition there? Uh, all of it was weird. Uh, um, I don't think anybody saw D'Antonio stepping away the day before signing day. Um, I thought... You know, there was always rumblings, especially the way the season was going, that, you know, he might retire at the end of the season. But once it looked like, you know, they went through the bowl game and it was complete silence, it kind of seemed that he was going to just be around for 2020 and maybe, you know, go one more year. So the fact that, 
you know, he retired so abruptly was definitely a shock. Um, you know, all signs pointed to Luke Fickle, you know, kind of go back to that Cincinnati well, just like they did uh, with D'Antonio in 2006 uh, for the 07 season. And, you know, once he turned him down, it looked, you know, they looked like they had egg on their face. But apparently Mel Tucker was kind of waiting in the wings to begin with. And, you know, once Fickle was out, he kind of put the full court press on him. And, I mean, for a February hire, I mean, they could have done a lot worse than that. I mean, it's a guy who who knows the terrains, a guy who's a good recruiter, that's worked under, you know, Saban, D'Antonio, Trestle. So it's they could have done a lot worse. I'm very curious to see what his staff looks like. I was very happy to see that they gave him a ridiculous salary pool for his assistance. Uh, that's money that Michigan State usually hasn't spent in the past, and so they're they're trying to be up there with the big boys. And you know, as a fan and as an alum, that's encouraging. Yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb, I think, in the short term, just being behind this recruiting cycle and trying to start in February as opposed to December when most of the coaching carousel gets going. And the last I really remember Mel Tucker, I mean, besides seeing his Colorado team play in Nebraska this past year, was him being the defensive coordinator of the Bears. So just for someone like me who doesn't really know much about him, um, besides what you just kind of laid out there in his bio, what kind of coach is he, you know, defensive coordinator, I assume he knows a thing or two about that side of the ball. What's his, uh, his specialty or his identity going to be for Michigan State here? So I'll be very curious to see what the offensive identity is like, but he's a defensive guy. Um, you know, he ran the defense at Georgia under Kirby Smart. So, you know, when they made the playoff a couple of times, he was, you know, a big part of that. Uh, he was a, a top 20 recruiter nationally when he was at Georgia. Um, he was a secondary coach at Alabama under Nick Saban. He was a GA under Nick Saban. Uh, that's how he got his start at Michigan State from 97 to 98. Um, you know, the secondary coach at Ohio State under D'Antonio when they won a national title. As Jim Trussell was the head guy, D'Antonio was a D.C., so he's he's obviously he's bounced around. Um, there is a gamble because he's only had one full season as a head coach at Colorado. Granted, he took over a pretty bad situation, but they went five and seven, and he had a top thirty-five recruiting class, which was uh, the best class that they've had since they joined the Pac-12. So he's definitely a recruiter. He's definitely a defensive guy. Um, I know he normally runs a three-four. Uh, Michigan State runs a four-three. So I'd be kind of curious to see how that fit is if he continues to stay with that. Um, but obviously offense has been the problem in East Lansing for the last few years, and I think there's still questions out there in terms of who's going to run it, who's going to be the quarterback, and hopefully we get some of those answers pretty soon. Yeah, and you mentioned you know just the, the salary pool, the high salary for Tucker and the willingness to spend on those assistants, and I've brought it up a lot since I started working here and had this like uh, podcast platform that the Big Ten Network, since ratcheting up, you know, since the conference has ratcheted up these payments to the schools and really the Big Ten and SEC have, have separated themselves a little bit as far as uh, wealth goes, just overall wealth and, and building up their facilities, committing to football and basketball at the uh, the top is kind of those front porch sports. You're really seeing the results, you know, every day. It's kind of like a, a drastic – it wasn't an all it wasn't an all at once shift. It's kind of like, uh, if you want to use a bad analogy, kind of like climate change, right? Like you see things happening. You don't necessarily associate it in the moment with the overall general trend, but we see all these facilities getting built and popping up. We see teams in, in football, like Indiana and Minnesota making huge leaps and in basketball schools like, or I'm sorry, in football schools like Purdue and Illinois building these crazy facilities. And then in basketball, like Rutgers hiring a great coach and, and coming to the, uh, you know, the top of the conference or near the top at least. So I think we're just seeing a general overall shift in 
uh, or separation at least of of schools having the resources to hire good coaches, build good facilities, and it's paying dividends right now. I mean, the Big Ten having 12 or 14 teams being in the hunt for a tournament bid, I think, uh, speaks to that as well. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right on that. You know, we do that bus tour every summer, and, and every year it seems like there's a new facility popping up, and we go on a facility tour, and you guys do a great job on social, you know, kind of getting all of the new stuff, getting the tours from the players and, and all that. And like you mentioned, we've seen, you know, Illinois had one. We've seen Iowa with a new football building. We've seen Indiana, new locker room. Like we, we're just seeing them pop up all over the place, Minnesota, with the, the football village that they just had. And so I think Bruce Feldman, he wrote a really good article in Athletic. I think it was with Andy Staples a couple weeks ago, and he talked about the difference between the Big Ten, the SEC, and everybody else and how the Pac-12 was just so far behind because of the, the revenue that they don't get from their network compared to what the Big Ten and SEC get from their deals and how that gap might even increase more once those TV deals expire in 2023 for the two big conferences and – might be even more money available uh, at that time. And the fact that Mel Tucker can get, you know, $5 million, uh, five, five and a half million dollars from Michigan State, that would make him easily the highest paid coach in the Pac-12. And he's probably fourth or fifth in the Big Ten with just that number. Yeah, uh, it's no coincidence that the Pac-12 struggles every year to put a good amount of tournament contenders in March Madness and – you know, has barely even sniffed uh, college football playoff contention. And then, you know, the ACC with Clemson, obviously, is a, is a great success story, but they're not deep, and it's, I think, leaking over to basketball a little bit this year. That might be just a fluke, um, you know, just one of those ebbs and flows of of, uh, of the years in college basketball. But what you're seeing is is SEC football, obviously, every year. It's always been like that, being in contention. And now, hopefully, the Big Ten being year in, year out playoff contenders, as well as, as we've seen in the last at least three years, uh, a great basketball conference as well. Yeah, you know, um, again, the exposure certainly helps. Uh, the fact that you can see Big Ten on, you know, BTN, Fox, ESPN, you know, CBS, we're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so that exposure certainly helps. You know, the SEC is going to get more of that. Uh, obviously, they have their own network. You know, once their deal is up with CBS in 2023, you know, they'll be shopped to the highest bidder. So, you know, the exposure is very, very important. Obviously, ACC Network has, you know, gotten on board with their own. But, you know, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, you know, they're kind of struggling with exposure. Um, I, I'd argue that, you know, that's the reason why Christian McCaffrey didn't win Heisman mm-hmm. is because there wasn't enough exposure for those Pac-12 games. Sure. Yeah, I didn't mean to turn this into like a press release for the Big 10 or anything, but, you know, I think it does matter when we talk about the larger scheme uh, of things. It's and becoming a haves and have nots thing. And exactly. It's like two conferences are benefiting greatly from that. Exactly. All right. So let's uh, kick it over to basketball talk now. Um, since we last talked, the conference race, at least at the top, has has sharpened a little bit in focus. Um, Maryland sits alone in first place, and Penn State has, has made a big leap in the last couple of weeks. And um, some of the teams that were clustered near the top have slid just a little bit. Your, your Michigan State, Illinois, Rutgers, um, but still pretty crowded overall as far as the top six or seven in the conference. So who do you think is in the, the driver's seat right now, or who, who is uh, in control of the most, or the biggest slice of destiny at this point? Uh, I think it's actually Penn State, even though they're not in first place. Uh, Maryland's in first for right now. Uh, I think that could change by the weekend, when the weekend is over. Uh, but I think Penn State has the easier schedule. I think they're playing the best. I think they have the best uh 
closer in Lamar Stevens. The way they're shooting the three right now, if Myron Jones gets back, like they're going to be really, really hard to beat. You know, in the past, you know, they'd have one or two guys, but they usually weren't that deep. They usually couldn't really shoot it well offensively. They just weren't that efficient, and they try to, you know, beat you with effort and defense and rebounding. But now they, the way they're just shooting the three uh, during a seven-game win streak, I mean, it's been unbelievable. Um, if you look at the metrics, you know, they're top two in the country during the seven-game win streak. You know, they, they're just playing really, really well. And if you look at their closing schedule, they get Northwestern at home, they get Illinois at home. They're at Indiana. They get Rutgers at home. They're at Iowa, which will be tough. But uh, they still get Michigan State at home as well. So most of their tough games are at home. The road games aren't as bad. You know, I think Maryland, even though they're in first place right now, I think just has a tougher road. And, you know, they go to Michigan State uh, this Saturday. Obviously, if they win that, maybe that changes. But if they lose it, then I think Penn State's certainly in the driver's seat. All right, so talking about that kind of second – Maybe not second tier, but uh, just behind those two that you said uh, could potentially battle it out for for the title. Uh, Michigan State needed and got a, a big win at Illinois on Tuesday. Rutgers suffered another loss on Wednesday at Ohio State. And uh, last week, Iowa, who was red hot, um, got blown out of Purdue. And then they have another chance in the state of Indiana tonight against Indiana, uh, against the Hoosiers in what is a pretty big game for IU. So let's just touch on, first of all, because we both have close ties, um, that crazy ending, crazy game between Michigan State and uh, and Illinois. I mean, as a Michigan State fan, how desperate was the fan base and was that team uh, for that win? And, and, you know, just knowing that they were on the cusp of blowing a 20-point lead near the end there. Um. I don't know if it was dire, but it was close. Um, you know, I just think, you know, that the way that things were going, you know, the three-game losing streak, they just hadn't played well in a while. You know, the fact that they fell out of the rankings, knowing that they had two ranked teams coming up this week, you know, I think it was very important to at least get a split. Obviously, if you get two wins, you're probably back in the top 20. You're back in the Big Ten race. If they would have lost that game – you know, especially the way they would have lost it, you know, blowing a 20-point lead, you you kind of wonder, like, how do you get off the mat from that? Uh, but luckily they found a way to win that game. You know, uh, I just think, especially as a fan, because of the way the football search was going in addition to <laughs> how right. the basketball team was It's not playing. in a vacuum. Like, that matters to the psyche, the collective psyche, the fan base. Yeah, and so the fact that, you know, Fickle had turned them down on a Monday – you know, D'Antonio retired earlier. He retired the day they lost to Penn State. They lose to Michigan. You know, you lose your rival game. Both situations just kind of seem to be in not so great shape. And then 24 hours later, you know, they get a big road win against a ranked team. You hire a football coach. And now you can kind of get a sigh of relief in, in, in both sports. And, you know, let's see what happens on Saturday. Michigan State breaking out the 2,000 throwbacks okay. against Maryland. So, there we uh, go. you know, last time a Big Ten with team won a national title. Let's see if that brings them a little luck. Well, now Illinois is kind of in that precarious position. They've lost three straight now. Uh, you know, if you look at each game individually, no shame in losing to Iowa, Maryland, and Michigan State. Um, all close games, but ultimately all L's. And now they go to Rutgers on Saturday. 
likely without Io DeSumo for the foreseeable future and Penn State after that. So, you know, there's a slide potentially looming there if they don't figure it out here soon. Uh, they have a buffer of playing Nebraska and Northwestern after those two games to maybe get them back on the right track with teams that are at the bottom of the conference. But, uh, I mean, it's just crazy. I want to touch on kind of the swing of um, emotions in that building when, you know, they didn't show up in the first half. It was a heavily hyped game coming off of a Friday night game against Maryland that also was kind of a, hey, like we've arrived type moment after being so irrelevant the last uh, six, seven years. And, you know, for them to come out so flat against Michigan State, Michigan State had a uh, you know great shooting first half. Rocket Watts finally kind of emerged and looked like we expected him to uh, as a highly touted freshman. And, you know, for it to be such a turnaround in the second half and finally get that building going and come all the way back and even take a lead, you know, with four or five minutes left, it wasn't like they, they finally got over over the hurdle in the last minute. It, it, they had a we're in position to, to almost put Michigan State, you know, completely uh, away. And credit to Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. They were absolute nails. And then I've never seen something quite like that where a uh, arena goes from, you know, pretty much believing they were going to win to, okay, now they might lose. Okay, now they did lose. And we might have lost our best player. You know, like that was the mindset in the arena. And just looking at how bad that play looked live and then on the replay, I can't believe that, that Io DeSumo is likely, I mean, at least from the sound of his tweet yesterday and the release coming back this year. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's for Illinois fans. You got to feel like you lost the game, but you ultimately kind of won, came out on top of that, uh, that whole exchange on Tuesday. Yeah, I was very happy to see that nothing was structurally wrong with him. Um, my initial reaction when I saw uh, him lose his balance and, and lose the ball. I said, whew, they got out of there with a win. And then I saw he was still down. I was like, oh, no. Like, it immediately took the joy, like, out of the win because, like, Io is such a, a good player, so important for his team, for this league, and, and just a really good kid as well. Um, you know, I was kind of fearing for the worst there, especially, like you said, the way that it looked. And for the MRI to come back the way it did, like, I think every Big Ten fan was extremely happy with that prognosis or, or those results. And you know, hopefully he's back sooner than later. And, you know, we could see the Illini, you know, on that board in March. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, if you're Illinois and Rutgers right now, you're just trying to get so in. You know, league, man. Right, exactly. Like you were going from, you know, maybe it's a Big Ten title contender to, to just after a few games for those two teams. Hey, just, just get in. Right. You don't want to you want to avoid catastrophe at, at this point. Um, and I think both are capable of, of you know, studying things. But uh, I wanted to kind of stay on that theme of of straightening things out and talk about Michigan and Ohio State a little bit. You know, Michigan still is sitting in a bottom four seed, I believe, in the Big Ten standings. But uh, the Wolverines and Buckeyes have, have definitely straightened things out to a degree after a rough start to Big Ten play. So do you see postseason potential out of either of those teams, um, kind of similar to what we were, I guess, through the lens that we viewed them in, maybe back in December coming out of those holiday tournaments? Yeah, I, it's, it's funny because if you look at both of those teams, they'll probably be seated lower in the Big Ten tournament than what they'll be in the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament. You know, the fact that Michigan, I think, is an 11 seed right now and would be playing in that first day yeah. on Wednesday just kind of goes to show how tough of a league this is. 
But, you know, they had a lot of losses without Isaiah Livers, who was their leading scorer and their best three-point shooter. He keys back, you know, definitely provided a, a big boost for them against Michigan State. He was great against Northwestern. Kind of seems to have stabilized things and allowed, you know, the other role players to kind of go back to their roles. You know, Brandon Johns doesn't have to be awesome. Mo, uh, Franz Wagner doesn't have to be awesome. They could just play their games. They don't have to worry about where the extra scorings come from. And so like, he makes a huge difference there. Uh, you know, Caleb Wesson's been a beast for Ohio State. They, you know, outside of the Wisconsin game over the weekend, you know, they've kind of righted the ship there. You know, it was a big win at Michigan. They, need, they needed a road win there. Uh, you know, we, we've seen Ohio State kind of do this a year ago. You know, they kind of stumbled toward the end, and then they figured it out. You know, barely got in the tournament, but also won a tournament game once they got there, upsetting Iowa State. You know, you know how much of a fan I am of Chris Holtman. I'm not going to count them out at all. Uh, I think they'll both be in the tournament pretty easily. All right, so before I phrase this next question, do you think Wisconsin is a bubble team at this point? It's in it 14-10, 7-6 in the Big Ten. I don't have their net or camp in front of me. Um, I, I imagine it's pretty good. The record, record-wise, yes, but everything else, no. 31 right now in Ken Palm. I assume they're similar net. Yeah, they're similar net. They actually have, i say outside of Penn State, they probably have the best resume in terms of quality wins in the conference. So I think as long as they don't face plant, like they should be fine. Um, you know, probably just, I'd say, even split the rest of the way, mm. and they should, they should be in. All right, so since they're not quite lumped in with these other teams I'm about to list, uh, Minnesota – Indiana, those two, uh, I would argue, have uh, a good amount of work to do. And then Purdue, who has great convincing wins, and uh, they're the advanced analytics, like your Ken Palm, your net, reflect those lopsided wins, but also have uh, a potential, you know, a lower floor than a lot of these uh, teams that we expect to get in the NCAA tournament. So how do you evaluate those bubble teams, and who do you think – has work to do and who might be a little safer and have a uh, quality under their belt that maybe a, a Minnesota or Indiana doesn't have uh, quite as much as? Um, I'd say as of right now, there are nine teams that could feel pretty good about seeing their name pop up. Um, I think Purdue, if you picked it today, would be in. Mm-hmm. I think if you picked today, Indiana would be in, but barely they're trending in the wrong direction. I think Minnesota has the most work to do of those three. Uh, but I think they're actually more talented than Indiana. It just – they played a really tough schedule, and so they're 12 and 11. Right. But, you know, they swept Ohio State. They've beaten Michigan. You know, they've beaten Penn State. But, you know, I mean, they played everybody in non-conference, and so they wound up getting a lot of L's. They need to get some W's. You know, starting this weekend, they get Iowa at home. You know, that would be a, a big one to get. They've already got two ranked wins at home this year. So if they can get one there, that would certainly help. Um, I think you won't see you won't really see them on a lot of brackets right now just because of their record. They probably need to get to three or four games over 500 to start appearing on some more brackets. Uh, Indiana, they're clearly going the wrong way. It's a team that cannot win away from home right now, and they, you know, pretty much after they blew that Maryland game, it kind of sent them into a tailspin. Mm-hmm. The fact four in that, a row. yeah, the fact that they got blown out at, at home in the rivalry game against Purdue when Bob Knight's in the house, like. That's just not a good sign. You know, Archie Miller saying he's still trying to get more buy-in from his guys in year three, not really a good sign. Um, as for Purdue, you know, at home, they're amazing. 
when you if they get a lead on you, if they jump on you early, that avalanche starts. We've seen it against Michigan State. We've seen it against Virginia. We've seen it against Iowa. You know, they've completely Wisconsin. I mean, they've completely just buried you know four teams in, in the first ten minutes of the game. They didn't do that against Penn State, and Penn State was able to pretty much control that whole game. And so they need to have those similar type of performances away from Mackey. Yeah, it's interesting um, with Indiana. I mean, we're sitting here on Thursday. It probably won't come out until Friday. Uh, the narrative could be shifted completely by tomorrow, um, or, you know, it could be still on that downward spiral. We'll see. Um, but if they beat Iowa, you know, that, that'll obviously be a uh, big step forward for the Hoosiers. And, and Iowa can definitely afford to, to lose a couple more on the road. It would not hurt their standing uh, in the eyes of the committee too much. But we'll see there. Uh, it's interesting. Talk to Dakota Mathias for the first part of this podcast and just kind of asking him, you know, about the transition from on the wing from, you know, first it was him and then they had Ryan Klein after after uh, Mathias graduated and now it's Stefanovic. And it's just like when you can hit threes, you give yourself a chance. And even though we haven't seen that many teams capable of getting as hot as quickly as Purdue has, there's kind of the extreme example of like, hey, you know, you can shoot the ball you'll be in pretty much any game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw it in the Iowa game. I mean, they had 61 points in the first half, right. you know, against a ranked team. And this is the same team that had 37 points in a full game against Illinois. I mean, they're extremes. I mean, I, I don't remember anything like it. No. I mean, it was a team that probably should have lost at Northwestern if not for, you know, a late game run to build them out of that. I'm convinced that Purdue, this Purdue team has finally broken Ken Palm. Like, I love the Ken Palm formula. We had him as a guest on the show, and I rely on his metrics for almost everything. But, like, Ken Palm was already, you know, biased towards Purdue as, as much as a as biased as an algorithm can be, which is can't be. It's just numbers. But, right. you know, like, for whatever reason, the algorithm f- likes Purdue, and it's reflected most years. And then this year, it's just, like, the completely over-the-top example because Purdue is sitting here right now at um, – 14 and 11 and until their loss against Penn State they were like 11 in Ken Palm and yeah, I mean, it was just it was just, it's just hilarious right 14 and 11 right like, exactly it's, it's it's uh it's funny and and it kind of just shows how the metrics really value the blowout wins over good teams which is what Purdue has done better than most teams in the country so yeah I mean to your point, you know, because of the metrics, I want to say they were favored by like five and a half at home against Penn State, like mm-hmm. a Penn State team that was battling for first, that had won six in a row, and, you know, had just won at Michigan State. And, you know, like, oh, well, Purdue at home, the metrics favor them, and that game was never close. And so, like, kind of t- to your point, the metrics definitely see something in the boilers that we aren't necessarily seeing with our eyes away from Mackey, that's for sure. That's why they settle on the court. H – uh creeping up not quite in a half hour but almost so we'll uh we'll wrap it up and uh exciting week uh or weekend of hoops ahead and um if you're down with it we will circle back next week and chat some more maybe with a clearer picture of how things are shaking out yeah sounds good looking forward to it all right all right thanks once again to harold and dakota for joining me a lot of fun chopping it up with those guys. Um, definitely stay tuned as we get into the really, really fun part of the basketball season. I love kind of the end of February as excitement mounts for March Madness. And, of course, the entire month of March and early April if we're fortunate enough to get a Big Ten team in the Final Four in Atlanta. 
we will keep the uh, fun discussions coming here on the Take 10 Podcast, so definitely stay tuned. And if you have not already, please, please, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play if you have an Android or Podbean or our YouTube channel, Big Ten Network's YouTube channel, where we have a Take 10 Podcast playlist where you can see all, see and listen to all the shows. And uh, please leave a review and a positive rating if you enjoyed the conversations. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Take 10 Podcast, number 134, I believe. Crazy it's uh, at that high of a number, but uh, time flies. And I have to thank the producers that have been there since day one, Julie Bronder and Wes White. Not sure which one's making the show this week, but give them both a shout out. And got to give a shout out to all the fans out there continue to listen uh, or have listened if it's your first time or your 134th time appreciate you and we will be back soon another fun discussion here on the take 10 podcast